Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. I want to talk about this research that's out from the Youth Lab, Think House, that carried out the um, the findings today. And the, the, the recommendations highlight that, that young people feel ignored in Ireland. And I want to chat to people today. Do you feel that you're being ignored in this country. 63% said they don't trust in the state to actively govern in their best interest. Uh, Sarah's with me um, on the line today. Apologies, sorry. Claire Highland is with me. Claire is from the Youth Lab that looked at the research. Claire, just outline the main findings. Hi, Andrea. Um, Yeah, well, every year at the Youth Lab, we ask the big question what it's like to be young in Ireland today. So we're specifically looking for an outlook from 16 to 35-year-olds. And this year we focused in on the idea of how young people were finding fun and purpose in this environment of perma-crisis. So a reality check that young people are really up against it in terms of crisis after crisis. And what we identified from our research firsthand was that young people are behaving in very different and often contradictory ways. And one of those behaviours is around this idea of creating or looking for alternatives. So with that, we explored you know, the status quo in Ireland in terms of their feelings of like, how is the nation being run? How might they you know, approach it or seek out alternative ways? Um, and what was clear was that firsthand, as you said there, that there is a sentiment amongst young people that they don't feel the state is actively governing in their best interest. And in fact, 55% said that they think that the country is run by the old and for the old. And one in two, so 49% said that they feel they've no other choice but to go abroad. And these can be correlated back to some of the key issues that they're facing. So the cost of living crisis compounded then with the housing crisis. I think those two issues in terms of Ireland being a really expensive place to live and the inaccess to housing is a real issue for young people. And because these are problems that have been going on for a considerable amount of time. I think mm. young people are feeling like their needs as young citizens okay. of Ireland are not being addressed. How does this change from previous surveys? Like, is there an increase in the number of people who feel that, you know, the state isn't isn't governing yeah. in their best interest? Yeah, so we did this in 2021 and the figure then was 49%. So it's up from 49% to 63%. Um, and I think... It's worth pointing out that in terms of the numbers who say they actually do trust in the state, that that's only 16%. So you have a cohort that just don't actually know. Um, And again, I think the challenge here is that they're not seeing action. So there may be processes where they're potentially listened to, but in terms of actually the rollout of strategies or plans that are actually affecting them and, you know, affecting them in their everyday life, they're not seeing that fall through. So that's where there is a lack of trust, essentially. OK. Stay on the line, Claire, if you don't mind. I just want to chat to people, young people today, yep. I suppose, in the cohort that you surveyed um, to get their experience. Give us a call, 1800 453 106. Neve is on the line. Neve, do you feel ignored? Um, so from my kind of experience, it's very hard to say um, no, because... I've been involved in a lot of youth groups um, where we advocated um, change in like our local area. And for many of the events that we went to, 
um, we felt like we were a tick the box exercise of young people who were just there. Um, and I know from like personal experience in their local area that when young people have been listened to, they have not been involved within the conversation of how to facilitate those changes. And so ultimately what comes out of the pipe work isn't something that the young people have wanted or needed. Um, it doesn't facilitate those needs that young people advocated in the first place. So it's very hard to feel like you're listened to um, when that's like your experience. And the, the point about that um, Claire, you know, highlighted a few moments ago that 63% say they don't trust in the state to govern in their best interest. Are you in that 63%? Um, it's very hard to say because um, I feel like I'm in a position where I haven't needed like maybe many government support. Um, but um it, like when we see that there is lack of change for housing, there's lack of change for climate for um, the climate crisis. That is where I would say we're in, we're um, sorry, but <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, um, that's, that's where you 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 feel that's where I suppose a lot of the sentiment is coming from from you know for for, for I suppose from young people. Yeah, so they're okay. the, they're the they're the things that young people um, are really wanting to see change on. This, yeah. These okay. are things that have been brought up by young people for years for generations young people have advocated for change in housing in climate and we are not seeing the change that's coming up so that is where I definitely feel like the government aren't um, listening to us. Mm. Callum is on the line as well Neve. Callum do you feel ignored by the state? Hi Andrea and thanks very much for having me on. Mm. Um, I suppose for me rather than thinking of it as being ignored or not it'd be more so along the lines, am I meaningfully included in the decision-making process of our country? So I think um, I think you have made a very fair point there in terms of, uh, let's say, like a, the tick-to-pox exercise, whether it's uh, tokenism of youth. And I think for me, there's like this, this fundamental difference between youth representation and youth participation. And when we look at our parliament, for example, um, in the doll, the makeup, the, the age demographic, like you from the census back in 2016, we don't have the new results yet, but nearly 40% of our population are under the age of 30. And within our doll, 2% of politicians are under the age of 30. So it's very much a question of, you know, in terms of trust in the government, uh, in the government, and if we feel ignored, it's more so, do we see ourselves? Is it a, an accessible body to address the issues that we're most affected by? Because the decisions that they're making are affected by us. And I think the standout point for me in the research was that I think it was around 80% of young people that were that were surveyed took a firm stance on whether they trusted or didn't trust the government or whether they felt heard or not. That's higher than our last voter turnout in the general election. So, you know, when we look at our political processes, is it time to give young people a constitutional voice rather than... So you're talking about lowering the voting age, Callum. Is that what you're kind of lobbying for? Well, I wouldn't say lowering the voting age. I'd say more so extending voting rights. I'd look at it in a more positive sense. It'd be increasing our, our electorate. Um, I think... Is that when, not the same thing? Well, it is. In terms of extending voting rights to 16 and 17-year-olds, it's it's broadening our electorate and it's creating a more, I suppose, representative democracy. Um, I think, you know, for me, the big thing is is that when we when we look at whether young people trust the government or trust the political structures, it's whether they have a voice within us. Um, and I know for myself, if if I had the, the opportunity to vote at 16 and 17, I know, or like my, my parents and my grandparents would have definitely had more motivation to vote as well. I'm not sure if they voted or not, but that 
they would have jumped straight in and it would have strengthened our democracy as a whole. So I think it draws back to the main question of, you know, like you said, uh, do young people feel ignored? I'd say more okay. so that we're not so much included. Would you feel a little bit more included, Neve? Um, I'm not sure, quite sure what age you are, but if you were allowed to vote, you know, at 16 or 17, do you think that would change the, the percentages that we're talking about today? Yes, yeah, so um, I was actually involved with local youth groups at the age of 16, lobby- lobbying local authorities um, and um, for change in our local area. So for me and our my cohort of young people, we were advocating for those changes at 16. We said we wanted to vote. We were well-educated on the process. And I think the new Leaving Cert um, curriculum of politics, young people are better informed than ever before. So I know it may not be for everybody that they would say they would have voted at 16, but young people are getting more and more educated and we can see um, those discussions of... Um, extending the voting age to 16 more and more. So um, I think it would actually just bring a positive impact. We're getting young people to talk about um, politics, the government, um, social issues from a young age. I wonder how other listeners feel about that. I mean, would you be in favour in the context of this discussion today, research, you know, finding that young people feel ignored, that 63% of them don't trust in the state to actively govern in their best interests, is lowering the voting age to perhaps whatever, 16. Is that the way to address this? Kieran is on the line. Kieran, do you feel ignored? For me, it was similar to Niamh, where she said, like, I'm in a position of privilege where I haven't, like, required, you know, support from the government. Um, but I do think that there's, like, a very, you know, in, in considering, like, what I even do, like, running an event like Shanakia, which is a storytelling night where hundreds of people come in the doors to tell stories and kind of give their own narrative. And a lot of those are in their early 20s to late 20s. The sentiment that rings through is that the majority of people who have spoken in Shanakia do feel ignored. And they do feel frustrated, like even just to quote an amazing poet that came in and spoke at one of our events recently, restricted, beguiling and stifling is a place that I call my home. And that's a real powerful line that kind of rung through for me that made me feel that a lot of people relate to him as well, where they just feel like they can't, you know, access housing. The idea of buying a house, you know, even by the age of 40 is just completely far-fetched, which is crazy for a country of okay. um, our ilk. So this, so, yeah. the, the the survey findings that, you know, it's by the old, for the old, you think that is accurate? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And even when you consider how many Irish people have left the country and, you know, they're not even allowed to vote, even if they've just left the country within a short amount of years, you know, how are we supposed to make Ireland an attractive place to return to if the people who have left who want to go home don't even have enough, like an option to legally vote? So you're in favour too of reducing the, the voting age? Reducing the voting age and providing some sort of online voting system for people who have left the country within a short period of time obviously doesn't make sense that the entire Irish diaspora votes uh, for things that happen in Ireland. But I do think, you know, if you've left the country within five years or maybe six or seven years, you should be allowed to vote if you want Ireland to be an attractive place to come home to. And, and the you know, po- okay, no, and I, I I take that point, but uh, Colm, I suppose you sort of kicked off this element to the discussion. Like, if you're not paying tax, do you do you ever say? Well, I wouldn't say that that sixteen and seventeen year olds don't pay tax. I worked part time when I was in school, and I was definitely paying tax. Unfortunately, well, but not unfortunately. I think 
It's um, it's more so the question of looking at the statutory responsibility of a 16 and 17 year old. They can leave school, they can travel on their own, they can drive a car, um, they can work work a job part time, um, and they do pay taxes. So I think young people at the age of 16 and 17 definitely do have the uh, I suppose the other responsibilities that come along when you're expected to be a citizen of this country. But I think as well that um, it ties into kind of what the last speaker said there in terms of people leaving the country. Like if we look back at 2008 and the banking crisis when, when there was mass youth immigration, you know, Ireland prides itself on this skilled workforce. Yet we see from this this survey that, you know, there's there's over 60% of young people with, with no trust in the government um, or little trust in the government. Okay. Um, and I think it's, it's by, by taking those necessary steps to provide, I suppose, the the rights of young people. That's okay. Not only the civic responsibility, but the civic rights as well. Yeah, just on the voting, there's quite a few people getting in touch about this. Um, I agree on the point about voting from abroad. My daughter is a nurse in Australia with hopes to come home one day. I think that she should be allowed to vote here in Irish election. Irish elections, it's her future after all as well. Uh, voting at 16, how many young people are actively engaged in current affairs, too busy looking at TikTok and Instagram? I think it'd be a dangerous outcome, says this listener. Uh, Rebecca's on the line. Do you think we should lower the voting age, Rebecca? Hi, Andrea. Um, I am probably have a different, slightly different opinion to the previous people mm. you've been speaking to. So um, I'm 21, so... I'm I'm in I'm eligible to vote, but not too far away from that that cohort of young people. But personally, I I don't think that the voting age should be reduced. Um, I know, looking back now at 21, when I was 16 or 17, I would have loved to have believed that I was educated enough and interested enough in current affairs and politics to be able to make a decision and go and vote. But now I know that I was definitely influenced by, you know, my parents' opinions and opinions around me. Um, I do think that if this is going to be something that's considered, there needs to be processes put in place in the education system where, you know, it's mandatory for everyone to learn about the voting process, what it is that we're voting for within school. Um, do they not through the CSPE people... though? Or whatever that is. Uh, well, I, I know in my school CSPE was ran until third year um, and to be honest, it was it was an easy pass for the junior cert. Was I think the general consensus. I don't think okay. we were really thought about. Um, you know, the 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 things that we were voting for. I was in a religious Catholic school, so a lot of the topics that were being voted on, we weren't allowed to discuss in school as well. So I think you know these discussions need to be had before we can consider letting people that age vote. Okay. That's a fair point, though, Callum. Is it not around voter influence? You know, from from parents and older peers. Definitely. I think it's a very, very fair point. Um, I think I think one positive move we've seen, seen from the government, a new programme that is open pre-registration for, for voters at the age of 16 and 17, which is a big positive because it fosters that kind of, I suppose, sense of ownership in the system. But I think I completely agree with the with the point on civics education. You know, it's it's fundamental that young people are aware of what their rights and responsibilities are. And, you know, the the the, the power that a vote holds in terms of... Uh, an election and, and deciding on the future of politics, but I think, like from my from my own perspective, I had a, I had a similar experience in school where, um, unfortunately, civics education wasn't until like it was only for my first three years when I was quite young. But I've been lucky that I've been involved, like some of the others that spoke in in youth organisations that focus on informal and non-formal education, 
And I think that that's a big tool that, that fosters mm. that. I suppose what we're seeing, the trends in youth, that's those critical thinking skills. Yeah. And I, I think just one, one last point was that on the, the, what, the person who wrote in about the, the influence of social media, like at the moment we're, we're living in a very new era of democracy and we're seeing a lot of different challenges and it comes with bridging that gap between media freedom but also in terms of the, the heavy influence and the unbi- like the, the biased nature that we're having. So I think it's really important that when we, if we do talk about taking steps like lowering the voting age, that we do implement, like the last um, speaker said, to, to ensure that there is the proper support for young mm. people. Okay, all right. That understanding. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to stay with this. Uh, we just need to take a very short break. So stay on the line if you want to join us. We're actually, we're, we're asking, do you think that the voting age should be lowered. We're talking about the research today from Youth Lab. Young people say they feel ignored. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. Just before the break here on Lunchtime Live, we were talking about this new research. It's out from the Youth Lab today, and they found that young people feel ignored in Ireland. They feel ignored by those in charge. In fact, 63% said that they don't trust in the state to actively govern in their best interest. And spoke to a number of young people there, um, Neve and, and Callum and Kieran, and they made the point that they would like to see the voting age lowered to 16. So I've been asking you for your thoughts uh, now on that today. Um, Councillor Paddy, Paddy Meath got in touch with us. Paddy, are you in favour of this? No, I have quite reservations about it. And I say that as one of the youngest councillors in County Mead. Okay. And and the reason I say that is, I would feel that politicians and political parties are very much listening to 16 and 17 year olds today because most, more than likely to be in an election in two years time. And by that stage, they will have a vote. (laughs) (laughs) So they've an interest in starting to pay heed to young people. Now, if we just carry on from that, the election after that, if we lower it to 16, well, the day after the next election, we'll be saying the 11-year-olds in Ireland will be voting in the election after that. And that will mean that, sadly, political parties will start uh, altering advertisements, be it on Facebook, Twitter, and targeting very young children that are still in school. And I suppose you have all the things going on in the world at the moment, um, and it's great and as a youngster, I had a keen interest in politics. And it's great that there is so many. But I don't know how I'd feel if I had an 11-year-old child. That child being targeted because in five years after that, they will have an election and they will have a vote in it. And let's be clear, from a political party perspective, the next election, we start to prep on it the day after the last election. And so that is a concern. There is already youth uh, parties, including my own, I believe, that have secondary school committees. Uh, So they are already targeting the 16 and 17 year olds that they believe will be voting in the next election. Mm. So it's not a fallacy to say this. Uh, And and so that is where this could lead to. This could lead to active uh, canvassing and potential recruitment of 12, 13, 14 year olds into youth political parties. And maybe some people would think that's a great thing. But I'd, I'd like to think that youngsters and young adults would develop a, a little bit past 11 and 12 before they would become fixed on pol- a political ideology and, and the likes. Mm. Like the other side of it is, and quite a number of texts coming into from people about this, you know, like it's not every 
young person in school yeah. that has an interest in this. Like I know yeah. you, you're learning about it more now in secondary school <laughs> than you know even in in my time or previously. But it's not everybody. No, cares. when I was when I was in secondary school, I, I know I wasn't popular. I, me and one other lad were in Young Finn Gale, and there were a few lads in Orgrafina Fall, and I think there was one lad in Young Sinn Fein at the time. And you know that was five out of a hundred and thirty or so. So it's not. It's definitely not everyone that has an interest. It's no. great, and you know. It's great that there is youngsters that have an interest because in years to come, they'll be like myself, maybe the youngsters that will go into being becoming county councillors or TDs or, or Forder. This texter says, as a secondary school teacher, listening to the discussion today, I think the voting age should absolutely be reduced. Any 16-year-old that wants to vote could vote. And anyone that doesn't simply wouldn't have to. Uh, Claire Highland is still with us. Claire is part of Youth Lab, which carried out this research today. Claire if the voting age was lowered to 16, like from your experience now of, you know, talking to people and looking into this research, would it alter the findings, do you think? Yeah, to be honest, I don't think it's necessarily about lowering the age. So from the conversations that we had with young people, whether they were 16 or 24, it was more around seeing yourself in leadership. So 15% of those surveys, so 500 people said that that they thought that there was someone who looks like them or understood them in government leadership. So the vast majority saying, like, I don't see someone who really understands me in government leadership. So the bigger question is more like, who are the people in government leadership and what is the vision for the future? Because from our conversations with young people, there was a sense that, there is no compelling vision that young people in general are getting behind. So it's not so much about lowering the age, because as other um, speakers have, have mentioned, there are pathways to listen in to young people, but it's listening into young people and then relating it back to them through action, through activity that demonstrates we've listened and we're actually actioning it. Um, so for me, it's more the question of, of leadership and the vision for the future. That's the thing we need okay. to nail. A lot of parents actually texting in today to say they're really not all that um, surprised by the findings. I know you mentioned at the outset, yeah. Claire, some of the figures around 70% worried about financial insecurity, lack of economic opportunity, rising cost of living, and just very simply, even having even having the potential to own a house in this country yeah. at some stage. And a lot of people not shocked by that. Um, Vince has gotten... I, sorry, go on ahead, Claire. Yeah, I think in Ireland we have a very unique situation, even within Europe. So we as a nation have the most highest educated young people in terms of, say, OCD countries. I think Luxembourg is ahead of us. So we have a cohort of young people who, in the history of the state, have never been more educated, right? And there are jobs there. So if you think traditionally how economics has worked, it's like, okay, so educated people, there's jobs there. And then that translates into income and housing and access to things that go with that. But actually, we're now hearing conversation around this new working class potentially developing in Ireland, which is speaking to this generation of young people who aren't poor, but actually feel broke. And I think from all the conversations we have day in, day out with young people, it's this sense of, I worked so hard, I got through college, I did this to try to create opportunity for myself, and still I can't move on. So I feel stuck or constrained or I'm back living with my parents. Um, and, 
you know, as a generation, in terms of that younger generation, we already know from research from the IMF that this generation of young people are going to be less well off than their parents. Absolutely. So there is an issue of equity at play, you know, people just feeling like it's not fair. And they're the young people too that, you know, I think are going to be a lot of difficult conversations for the likes of, of Paddy and, and other politicians when they're knocking on the doors the next time round, as you say, the, the new working class and people feeling that nobody's talking to them. Vince has got in touch to say a 16-year-old can't even apply for their own passport. If we don't trust them enough to get a passport, why would we trust them to vote? Paul has got in contact on the feeling of being ignored. The voting age is very little to do with this survey. Um, it covered 16 to 35 year olds so by far most of those can vote many probably don't I get the housing situation and the way um, you know there's lots of social issues for young people but not in favour of lowering the voting age. Keep them coming in to us. 53106 is the number. Councillor Paddy Meath and also Claire Highland from Youth Lab that carried out that research today. Thanks for joining us on the programme. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.